Hey everybody, this is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I had mentioned that I wanted to do some changes to the podcast and make it a little bit more listenable. And I know that a lot of that's my fault because I'm lazy when it comes to editing this podcast. And if you've ever wondered, does he edit any audio he produces? The answer is actually yes, because you can actually go see... You can actually go hear that on the Uncanny Curve podcast where I do a f- less editing than I used to do on the audio because I just have less time, but also way more editing than I do on this one because I cut out large chunks of it to fit to a certain time slot, whereas this I just try and guesstimate and usually have the same amount in me as um, the previous episode, except for the Sunday editions, those I try and keep 30 minutes and under. If you haven't heard the recent previous the recent Sunday edition, or seen it, um, I haven't been posting these on YouTube, I should start posting them on YouTube again, um, where you can see me now without a hat, because I finally have a haircut, um, but those, I try and keep to 30 minutes under, but if you haven't heard the last Sunday edition, definitely go check it out, it's about traveling and like, the perception of anime through my travels around the world, and I just, I had a lot of fun recording that, actually, yesterday night since I'm recording this episode early because I am actually going to Chicago for a business trip so you won't be hearing or seeing me um in the way you normally do which is really off the cuff and less less recorded the same day (laughs) that makes any sense but on that note I want to start with um the like new stuff with what we're talking with what we're talking about today because I think it's really kind of a phenomenal show so on that note welcome to lunchbox season two this is Tokyo Revengers this in a different way actually not in a totally different way than I normally do I want to start before we get to the topic at hand talking about 
where it came from. Because one of the anime that this, that Tokyo Revenger clearly references and clearly came from is Yu Yu Hakusho. And the kind of thing that surrounds Yu Yu Hakusho and the kind of subculture of Japan that's responsible for Yu Yu Hakusho. And that is delinquent culture in Japan. So Japan has a, the Japanese language has a phrase that you can actually hear very easily by watching Tokyo, um, Tokyo Drift, the um, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which I believe is like the third, which is the third movie and a very oddball movie for the um, Fast and Furious franchise, but it's also up until very recently and maybe still what um, the Fast and Furious mythos was kind of built around because they needed something where they could make anything mean anything and that seemed like Tokyo Drift. But the um, phrase is Erokoriwa. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But essentially it means the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. And what that means is Japan functions on kind of a mutual understanding of the fact that you are a cog in the machine, you are a spoke on a gear, you are part of a bigger thing. Let me... But the bigger thing that that is doesn't always work for everybody because that's a, that can be a difficult... In, if somebody has a lot of individualism, it can be difficult for them to fit into anything. And I'm American, and you think that, like, individualism would be promoted at every level in America since we are so individualistic. But in reality, it can be difficult for people who don't conform to society to fit in on and on down the line. And that includes, like, where you work, how hard it is for you to go through school, if you're familiar with um, primary education in, um, or even uh, secondary, like college, edu like collegiate education in America, you know there's a system called special ed. And special ed, I was in special ed, um, which may surprise some of you, um, but special ed is kind of the catch-all for kids who aren't doing well in school. But the thing is that when I was in special ed, my huge saving grace, and many kids in special ed have this in America, was I was a really create. I've always been a really creative person, and so I had that. Um, I had that fallback. It it got to the point in <laughs> my high school when I was in high school that if the <laughs> school was planning like a weird. Sculpture, like they were playing a weird sculpture of the school mascot out in front, and I got called out of a class. I think an important class. I think like maybe like math or something into the office, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, Alex, what do you think about this? Like, what? Like, do you think this is a good idea?" And my first, my first inclination was to look at them, was to look at the people asking this, like school, like the principal and like a couple people worked in the front office like what why did you call me out here <laughs> what why did you ask me to come see you 
What? What? And their reply to me was because you're the kid who's going to grow up to be a cre- to be a creative person. Like we can see it in you. You're going to grow up and do something in the arts or in like design or something like that, and we can just tell. I was like, while I'm flattered, there's like a ton of people in AP art classes that you could have grabbed. You could have grabbed my friend Ryan, who even at that point was a like world-class cartoonist. You could have grabbed anybody. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and, but also because I was in special ed, I was friends with a lot of, with a lot of kids who, some of which I'm still friends with, they didn't really have a skill that was supported by their network of, like, parents and teachers and all that stuff. Um, I think, of course, of my friend Mike, who, um, I forget his name on Instagram, but he's got a ton of followers on Instagram. But he was, like, and still is, a really talented musician. He also would not, he would not shoot me for saying this, because he's, like, like, you meet him and you're fully aware. This kid has, like, serious, real ADD, and just, like, the dice fell a certain way for him, and he got in a lot of trouble as a, as a young man, and there, because of the place we lived, I grew up in a pretty, in a pretty wealthy, um, suburb of New York, there wasn't any real support system for him. So he just kind of bounced around for a lot of his, like, childhood, preteens, and teenage years. And it, that's really hard. And in Japan, what that leads people to oftentimes is not, um, like, being universally accepted. It's being kind of an outcast. Um, there's a class of people in Japan. I talked about this in my Tenjo Tenge video, actually, because Tenjo Tenge um, not so quietly cast those people as, like, in a different role. Still in the same role, but with, like, more mystical powers and shit. But the, the untouchable class, oftentimes in, like like Meiji era Japan became part of what would become the Yakuza but there's like the Yakuza is a very different organization than just straight up gangs or like delinquents in the same um in the same way that the mob is much different than gangs in America and the reason why the Yakuza is so different is because they have a different code of conduct Oftentimes their um, relationship to society is not so cut and dry. They do often um, when there's a big earthquake in Japan or there's a big disaster in Japan. Oftentimes the mafia will show up in force to help the community. Partially because they know if the community has gone, their source of revenue is gone. But also because they have an honor code and they have a defined like code um that drop that they all follow and yes there's asshole there's asshole yakuza 
idiots who don't follow that, and oftentimes they don't doesn't doesn't go well for them, is what I would say. But the bottom line is that there's not really a great path for kids, not even who are like bad kids, but kids who don't fit in with society. Um, and in in um, what's it called in Yu Yu show that's kind of what the show that's kind of what Yusuke is Yusuke did not start out as a bad kid no kid starts out as like Chucky the spawn of Satan that's just true but by virtue of the fact that his father has clearly 86 like all fathers in anime <laughs> like most fathers in anime um, and his mother has just like from the jump a severe drinking problem like does not get out of bed you're not sure how they get money (laughs) it's a whole thing he's not from a fully functional like life situation from the jump combine that with the fact that doesn't have the best attitude you know, I'm sure that his teachers growing up to the point that we saw that we meet him gave him guff for his parent not showing up to like parental meetings. I'm sure that they have gone into that home and been like, oh, this ain't great. This this kid isn't going to make it. And they pigeonholed him as happens even in American school. If you've ever gone through um, American public school, you know, this actually does happen. They pigeonholed him as going nowhere. And enough of that, by the time he's like, I think he's like 14 or 15, by the time you see him in, um, in Yu Hakusho, by the first episode of Yu Hakusho, it just makes you have a bad attitude towards, not only teachers, but authority, because anybody who has ever had authority said, has said, kid, you're gonna be a piece of shit, nothing good is going to happen for you. Oftentimes what this means for groups of kids who feel like that is they all get sent to the same school. (laughs) They like, they all get roundly ignored by their teachers because they're going to fail anyway. It's the way they look at it. Um, And actually, two more shows I want to mention here are first, Cromorty High School. Cromorty High School is uh, hilarious. I did an episode on it um, for this podcast you can go listen to um it's that show is a is a comedy about a kid who was a good upstanding kid who transferred into the delinquent school and it's a whole comedy about like him becoming king of the delinquents basically <laughs> but it's, all those kids are like these big bulky idiot assholes <laughs> What revealed to be kind of okay kids and like revealed to be sweet kids who like help their grandma and like have an honor code of their own and like are just trying to live their lives. It's just because the world has cast has like set them has pigeonholed them all into one specific thing. And that's really unfortunate, but it it allows a pipeline for people to go into a life of 
not just delinquency, but ultimately, like, living as a member of a gang or living or becoming a member of the Yakuza and, like, doing things at the edges of society that would be considered criminal because that's the only option they have. Combine that with Japan's um, unique relationship with tattoos and you end up with, like, at some point you are part of a gang and you have a ton of tattoos and you have done oftentimes what lots of um, stock, what lots of people who work in finance do, you have pigeonholed yourself because that was the path that was open to you to living in a gang. And now here I want to um, insert a <laughs> clip from Yu Hawk Show because it really illustrates the kind of bravado that goes along with like delinquent life and like the way delinquents kind of project themselves that I really um that I really appreciate because the English dub of Yu Hawk Show is top tier. So let's take a listen to this. Good weeds like you should have been plucked a long time ago. You don't belong here. You shouldn't talk. It makes you sound stupid. Yu Hakusho speaks like all of the other characters in Yu Hakusho except for Botan, but he doesn't speak like anybody else in the world of Yu Hakusho. He speaks specifically differently. And I'm going through all this because I want to illustrate the point of that these shows have existed before. Delinquent Japanese delinquent media and Japanese delinquent biker gang media has existed for a long time. And the thing that made Tokyo Revengers so excellent is that it took that form, it took that, it took that form of the medium of anime and told a story in it that really doesn't so much emulate what else is out, what else has happened before, but adds to it and stands among that, like the pat, the um, the greats, like in that form, like Yu Yu Hakusho, like Kromori High School, like Great Teacher Onizuka, which is a story about a guy who grew up as a delinquent and like never let, strayed from that path really, but he wants desperately to give kids who could go down the path of being like a biker gang idiot and putting their life at, on the line constantly. He wants to give them a way out and a way not to be those kids. And that whole show is about him being like, oh, you guys think all these kids are pieces of shit? I'm going to show you what they're capable of. I'm going to show you what I would have been capable of if I was given a chance. And there's a um, prequel to Great Teacher Onizuka that shows you kind of how he became personally determined to be a teacher so he could do that. And the, real, it, the whole thing is kind of heartwarming for a kid who got really pigeonholed um, and kind of his creativity got him a way out of it, ultimately. But Tokyo, Tokyo Revengers stands among all of those shows and holds its own 
while not ha- while not necessarily having to pay homage to a ton of them. Although there are little things in there like the um, the Tokyo Majin the Tokyo Majin gang does start out as a delinquent biker gang, and the like broad strokes of delinquent of Japanese delinquent media are all certainly there. And now I want to talk about um Draken, the character Draken in the show. I'm gonna this is gonna be really spoiler tactic at least for the first season, which just wrapped up on Saturday the on Saturday the eighteenth. Um but Draken is kind of the best is the character that we use to that's used to show you like like look, these kids are not necessarily from great parts of society. Draken's mother is a hooker and he lives in a brothel. And he's kind of the brothel's freaking handyman and all the brothel girls know him and like it's like his weird found family because he didn't really grow up having one. And the great scene that of course played for comedy because it's anime and they wanted to play it for comedy where um, Takamichi, our main character, the, our time-traveling main character, oh yeah, this is a time-travel anime also, get to that in a second, um, visits Jack in his house, and this is pretty late in the show, and he, like, gets to the brothel, and he's like, is this, this fucking right? It's like, uh, is he screwing with me? And... It, one of the brothel girls mistakes him for a client because the client does, like, want to be creepy and go jack off in the bathroom <laughs> so he can laugh longer. And he gets, like, roped into almost having sex with this girl. And Draken interrupts them. And he's like, okay, you idiot. What are you doing? And also you. You, you dumb bitch. You need to check your clients more. There's a picture of your client on the, for- on the intake form. Does this look like an adult man to you? No. Come on, we're going to my room. And you, they had talked about that before. They talked about that before, and they talked about the fact that, like, because Draken's mother is a call is a call girl is a um is not even a call girl is a hooker in a brothel. He's kind of left unattended constantly. That's why he could get a tattoo on the side of his head in middle school. And because, once again, his mother is a, is a hooker, and he probably doesn't list his real address on his, on his school form, and somebody probably found that out at some point, and he has a tattoo on the side of his head, he was almost probably definitely pigeonholed as like, look, this... This kid's never going to go anywhere. He's never going to be anything. I, what do we do with him? What, is, what would anyone do with him? And the honest truth is, is that there's not a whole lot of options for, um, for people who grew up like that in Japan. Because Japan has, once again, I, I started this out by saying Japan has a really unique relationship with tattoos. The, the Japanese government used to tattoo 
I think on their forehead, X's on prisoners. So they, so like the world would know they, they had done something bad and there was no way they couldn't know. As a result, one of the things that prisoners started doing is they started getting these elaborate traditional Japanese painting inspired tattoos. And that's what we now know as Japanese style tattoo. But the result was is that the only people who had these big elaborate tattoos in the, in the beginning were criminals. And so eventually it became adopted as a sign of criminality, but also as a sign of kinship in the Yakuza. The, the tattoos in this show are not, um, until the last episode, very Yakuza-like. They're more artistic, they're more simplistic, probably for the reasons of animation and repetition in um, manga form as well. But they are also still symbols of otherness, of that kid went bad at some point. And it's... The whole show becomes about Takamichi, our protagonist, wanting to change the past, wanting to alter the course of the early days of Toman, aka the Tokyo Majin Gang. So his so his like middle school slash younger years crush, who he'd still who he still has feelings for at the beginning of this, and who he eventually like reconnects with briefly in the um, later part of the series, doesn't die as a result of just like spiraling violence from this gang, from from the gang that would become the most powerful gang in Tokyo, which is the Tokyo Majin Gang, and so you meet all these characters who are going to grow up to be these like nightmare people and you see like you see Takamichi as a character try and like butterfly effect these kids the, like these people in their earlier years so they so like he'll like he'll stop Draken that one of the early things is he has to stop Draken from getting stabbed he stops that and then he goes back to the future and it changed, and the future has changed. And every time he does, uh, like, accomplish another objective, what, I forget the, um, cop's name, but, um, it, he, accompl he accomplishes another objective, the, um, the future changes again. And you see, a, you see character lives change. Like, um, initially he, um, he, he does one thing, and it affects the future in a way where a childhood, a really good childhood friend of his, who, like, had big, beautiful, like, weird, like, knitted-together pompadour hair, who wanted to be a hairdresser as an adult, is now bald a, like, a general in the Tokyo Majin gang, and kills himself in front of him. And... <laughs> His immediate thought is like, okay, add him to the list. Like, him and my childhood crush, who they don't, I don't think they have, who listed, um, my childhood crush, um, Hinata, 
like saving both of them. And as he changes the future, he narrows in on what is causing this. And it ultimately ends up being this one person. This one person who... You don't have you don't have this character's motivation. He's just an evil asshole at this point. But this one character is a character named um, Kisuke, and Kisuke is this like master manipulator who's like bending the to what he understands will become the largest gang in um, Japan. Back in the year 2012, back in the year, I think, 2012, to be, A, to become that large gang, but also to grab power and influence and notoriety for himself from the backgrounds. There are characters like, um, this character named Pa, who ends up going to jail, pretty, go, going to, ju going to juvie pretty quickly at the beginning of the show because of something that Keith K kicks off in his own kind of like, not time traveling, but like butterfly effect way. Like he puts an idea in somebody's head and then it like, it spirals out and he, he can clearly see the spiral. The interesting thing is in the universe that this happens, when we meet, um, when we meet Takamichi, um, or the character's actual name, um, Hanagaki, ta ha Hanag Hanagaki Takichi. When we meet Takichi, he's like a loaf around, good for nothing, like store clerk, and he's like in his, he's like in his late twenties, which in Japanese culture is considered old. He's like not going anywhere because. The thing you find out at the very when he very first when he time travels for the very first time is that he was trying to live the delinquent life and him and his friends kept getting picked on and kept getting abused constantly by actual delinquents. So what he's essentially done is he time traveled back. He like has to put aside his own like very passive they would call People in Japan would call him a herbivore guy because he's very, like, passive. He's non-aggressive. He doesn't respond to aggression particularly well. He has to stay the course of making bigger and bigger attempts to butterfly affect this whole... the whole course of history instead of just being the kid who's the, the um, gopher for... A low-level, like, lieutenant in the Tokyo Majin Gang as a whole. Where the story and leaves off, he has he's clo he's close friends with Draken and um and Mikey, the boss of the Tokyo Majin Gang, the guy who the the guy who they call the Invincible Mikey, um, and he had become the um. The, the he'd become the head of the first of the first but of like the first division of the Tokyo Majin Gang. Meaning like it's like hit it's like Mikey Draken him, and it's a it's a huge deal. And when he 
return to the future after that because between the first time he's gone back and come back he's gone back and come back two other times one time he sees that Draken is on death row and he just like this what did I fuck up why did this happen so he goes back again and then he goes after he comes back the third when he comes back the third time um Hinata is still alive and him and Hinata's brother I forget Hinata's brother's name um they don't have him listed in the character list on on my anime list but him and Hinata's little brother who is the um police officer who kind of figures out between him and Takamichi they figure out that them shaking hands causes him to jump back and forth between time they think like we did it this is awesome we kicked ass we took names my sister's still alive congrats she still has feelings for you <laughs> by the way I never mentioned that before like have a happy life together and they almost do they almost do but you know but you know what a length of a seasonal anime is it's episode it's like episode 12 you're like oh shit something about this ain't right she dies in front of him in, a, in like a brutal one-way car crash like car hitting her car hitting her her and the car she's in hitting the wall and she's trapped in the car she will not survive and so now he's got to go back again and that's the last time he goes back before he comes forward in time to 2017 which in this show is modern day um tokyo and he realizes that he's done it he's become a upper echelon of the tokyo majin gang or he doesn't know what happened in between because he's just like what what's going like this is really cool i'm really appreciative of this but i don't have um he nodded little brother's name in my phone which is concerning and also what what's happening how did i get here what what conversations did i have what did i do and that's the fun part of he had to figure he had to like figure out the the path that he created by doing whatever he did in 2012 and then bolting back forward to 2017 every time he bolts back forward and in the very last episode he both back forward he you think you as a viewer also think that case k has like turned over a new leaf he's become a better person he's trying to do the best by the organization and not wield power like a lunatic and then he reveals himself to be a complete lunatic kills takamichi second in command is about to kill him and you cut to black and the whole story gives all the characters such an internal life and such a and i've heard that the manga is better but i um it's the first five chapters are available on izuki i don't know i'm pretty sure it's published like just i forget who it's published by i think it's published by um kodakawa but um you can go read it you can keep reading it i think i might because they give all these characters this really great internal life they give all these characters like exactly what i was talking about with um 
great teacher Onizuka or um, Kromori High School or Yusuke from Yu Yu Hakusho, they give you a sense that these, this was these characters basically only path in life. You meet a character named um, named uh, named Katsutora Kathara and Kathara were trying to do a good thing for um, Mikey and he was trying to get Mikey a real motorcycle since when they, since when Toman started he had like a little like putt putt junior <laughs> equivalent of a Vespa he's like I really want to give Mikey something great for his birthday uh, but we don't we don't have any money and he actually did this with Baji who's um Baji is a character in the show and he is the former first division first division commander and Baji and him end up attempting to steal a, a motorcycle which ends up being from Mikey's older brother's motorcycle sales and repair shop and they and Kasura ends up killing Mikey's older brother. And they do this in a flashback in a past time travel segment, which they handle really well. They like you know all the characters are way younger because they A they have different hairstyles, B they are definitely younger. So they don't have to be like date it. And they do date it, I think, at the very beginning of each episode. So you know where you are. And that creates this rift between Baji and Mikey, but also Kasura and Mikey, and Kasura ends up going to Juvie for many for many years, and when he gets out, he becomes a kind of piece on the chessboard for um, Kisuke. And it's the only thing that Takamichi has going for him in this scenario is he has knowledge of the future, and he has the fact that he. Is like an adult in a kid's body, so he can, he does a lot of like the emotional work of helping these kids who are too close to shit that is too serious to understand what they're doing, and that like certain things just don't goddamn matter, <laughs> and you will be better as a person and in and the world in your life will be better if you let certain things go. If you and also if you come to grips of the consequences of certain things, that he does a lot of the emotional work of like Mikey, don't kill this fucking kid. You guys were like what twelve when he did this. He's screwed up. Do not kill him. That's the worst thing you can do. It changes your life, and he knows that it does because him and um. Hinata's younger brother do a lot of detective work when he's in his own present time period to figure out what's what's the root cause of like why particularly Mikey but also like Draken and other characters in the Tokyo Majin gang go bad and for Mikey the first person he ever absolutely murdered was Kasura. And so he's like, don't kill this kid. You, like, you don't want to do this. You are mad at him for, for a mistake that should have never happened. And it's an awful thing. But 
do not end someone's life over that. No one, like, you don't have the right to his life. He didn't have the right to your brother's life. But do not keep this spiral going because it never ends. And he can say it like, and he doesn't say exactly those words, but that's the point of the way he acts and the way he's motivated because he had knowledge that that is true, that, like, Kasura being killed because Kasura killed... Kasura being killed results in a bad future. Or Baji being killed it by, a, by a particular person results in a bad future. And ultimately, because of how driven he is, other characters along the way do actually... They, and they don't, they're not, they're doing it because they see how driven he is to make this, these certain set of circumstances happen. So, like, Baji ends up basically killing himself. So, Kasra isn't to blame. And he makes sure he's like, look, I'm stabbing myself. I'm, like, forcing this knife further into me and, like, killing myself. So, my blood isn't on my, like, Kohai's hands. So you won't kill him. So you are saved from being the worst version of yourself. Because Takamichi is so convinced that that's what will happen. And I'm starting to see it firsthand. Because oftentimes when bad shit happens. If you look around you and if you pay just enough attention. You can see it coming. You can see the reality of a situation pretty clearly. Uh, you know, like... It's a Chekhov's gun scenario, but in real life. If you're not familiar with Chekhov's gun is. Chekhov's gun is basically... If you see a gun in a scene in a movie... It, it's, it will go off. If it's, a, if it's a good narrative. It will go off by the end of that movie. If not by the end of that scene. And. What that's saying is. Pay, like if you see a gun on a wall. In uh, the, the, a great example. This is actually another great like crime ridden anime. Um, Black Black Lagoon. In, um, in, in Roberta's first appearance. You see this big. Like. This big rifle on a wall. And then the next thing you see is Roberta practicing with it to, like, go level Rowenaper in, like, the following, in, like, that stream of episodes you're in. And the result is this show where Takamichi doesn't, is not like the other delinquent characters. He doesn't necessarily get in a whole lot of, like, fisticuffs or fights. But he promoted up through the ranks of Toman because he is, it's acknowledged that he's the emotional core. He's the one who somehow sees clearly in the way that Draken can, but Draken is oftentimes too involved and too, he can't reach, he, he doesn't have the clarity of sight to reach, say, Mikey when, um, he knows, like, Mikey's gonna kill this other kid. 
He's a 15-year-old. He's a dumbass. I can't break him out of this, no matter what I do. But Takamichi has the clarity and has the, like, conviction of will because he knows what happens to Mikey in the future to say, like, look, man, I know that this, that this is a lot right now, but it will not be a lot in, five, in like, five years. But you will be living with the consequences of it in the world and in yourself in five years. Just trust me and do not end somebody's life. And when immediately after um, the like bloody Halloween incident in, um, in the show, Mikey pulled back and he's just like, Takamichi would write. <laughs> I should be listening to Takamichi. He's, like, I was being a dumbass. You know, Katsura, Katsura made this mistake when we, made a mistake when we were children. My brother isn't here anymore because he made that mistake. That, I can never fully forgive him for that. But I don't, I can't hold that against a dumb kid who had no options. Like, I was, like, I was a, Slightly less dumb kid who had no options. When he has been like screwed up by a system that does nothing but screw you up even more once you're in it. And it's just... What Takamichi's trying to do is he's trying to get... um, What Takamichi brings to the show, to this like... Not pedestrian, but pretty in, but for the most part, pretty kind of standard delinquent gangster story, delinquent kid gangster story, is he brings the knowledge of age, and he brings the knowledge of consequences. Um, there's a great book that I've mentioned a bunch of times on this very podcast, on, on this very show, rather. I'm trying not to refer to it as a podcast because I've got a video element to it. But it's this, um, it's this book called Tokyo Vice. It's about Jake, Jacob, it's about Jake Adelstein, who you can literally go follow on Twitter, who is the first, um, American and Jewish, um, reporter in the, uh, Tokyo, in the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department um, um, reporter pool, which is a huge deal. And early on in his career, he does he he does a favor. What ends up being a favor for a mop for a um, a um, yakuza boss, a local yakuza boss. And the local yakuza boss says like. You realize you saved my life, right? And he's like, no, I just gave you information. He's like, information is one of the only things that can be trusted. You gave me, you gave me a, an extension on my life. I will be, I will be thankful to you for the rest of your life and my life. Like anything you need ever, if I can give it, I will give it. <laughs> it's a big deal, but what? Jake, in the, in the book, ends up say, saying to him is, why don't you get out of this? And he's like, and he, he, what he does is he rolls up his sleeves, and you see that he has 
full that like everything except for like the middle of his body as a tradition is just covered in like traditional Japanese tattoos beautiful but what that does is as I was mentioning before it it puts him where he is permanently he's like I can't just go be an office worker anymore I can't just go choose to walk away from this I've been in it for too long I've made too many choices. And what Takamichi is very specific about is that it's not that he's saying these kids aren't going to make these choices. It's that he's saying that these kids, including his friends ultimately, can make choices so that their lives, even though they're like gonna be like primary school dropout, you know, punk delinquent gangster gangsters for their entire life can have a the best version of that they can make the most out of what the world around them is allowing them to be and you look at um characters like draken and draken is very clearly he's very he's thinking very clearly he's slightly older than mikey he's slightly older than most of the main cast i think and when you meet him on death row and his hair is like his like glorious cool like hipster hair is all gone he's very he's much more he's even more clear-eyed and he's even more realistic about what they were doing as dumb kids in like five years ago and the result is that he's just like despondent at the idea that he couldn't get through to certain people because certain people just weren't listening they didn't understand what they all understand now and that is that their actions would ripple out into the future and change their lives for the worst and in um case 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 he is very clearly working towards some goal you never quite figure out what it is and you never quite quite figure out why Hinata always dies. What you figure out is he doesn't he doesn't have regard for anyone. At the point at which you meet him in um, in in 2012 in the 2012 version of the show in the 2012 like version of Tokyo, he hasn't killed anybody yet. He hasn't killed anybody by his own hands yet he has set the dominoes so people will die as a result of what he starts but he hasn't done the like pulled the trigger so to speak himself yet and what's so powerful about the last episode is it's him pulling the trigger he is not obfuscating what's happening he's straight up just ready to kill um Takamichi and I'm guessing he doesn't but you hear a gunshot and it, it fades to black and you don't see what happened so I just this is a really enjoyable show I'm told the manga is way better but in terms of just the show it's gotten supremely popular from like the middle of nowhere it like it came it came, for, it came from the from the depths of the ranking list 
and is now regularly number two right behind One Piece, ready to take its throne every week on Crunchyroll. So, on that note, if you like this show, um, I'm going to try and keep it going with the new style, putting in little clips in little places and all that stuff. Um, you can subscribe to it in wherever you're listening to me right now, wherever you get podcasts. Um, I do episodes every twice a week. Normally, there's an episode on Thursday, which is some, which is like this. It's about a show or a film, usually anime. Sometimes I will veer off the beaten path to talk about something, like I talked about um, Queen's Game, the Netflix original show. After um after it aired because that show is just a sports anime um but usually it's anime and Sunday is more um, metatextual more fandom based more something I'm just interested in based around anime or the anime industry so look forward to that um this coming Sunday on that note I've been Alex this has been lunch this has been Lunchbox Radio I will see you and talk to you on Sunday. Yeah!